Flint Hill Baptist Church exists to glorify God by gathering, growing, giving, and going in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Find out more at flinthill.net. will open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Starting a, kind of a new series here today, kind of walk us through the month of February. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Oftentimes considered the love chapter. I mean, it's, it, it's hemmed in right in between uh, 12 and 14, obviously in the book of 1 Corinthians. But uh, the title of this series is Live Like Jesus. Live Like Jesus. And uh, and the title this morning is, What's Love Got to Do With It? I mean, it really, I know, I know, I know some of y'all. But what does love have to do with it? I mean, honestly, it, it, it has a lot to do with it. And this morning, I just want us to look briefly. In fact, this will be part one of two. You'll need to come back next Sunday to get the second part of this. Uh, but we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. If you will, just let me just read uh, verses 1 through 8. Uh, at the close of chapter 12, the scripture says, And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. In verse 4, love is patient. And love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so you can see real quickly why this might be considered the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. Oftentimes you'll hear this in weddings. When people gather together, uh, uh, my son's going to get married in June, and, and I'm going to ha have the joy of being a, officiating that wedding, and I'm meeting with him tomorrow evening, and uh, probably going to bring out some of this in 1 Corinthians. It's just a good word from the Lord about what love is. Now, I will tell you, I just want to look at the context real quick uh, here in this passage, because anytime you read the Word of God, it always sits in a in, in a... In a uh, a book of the Bible, but in that, even in that context, there, I mean, in, even in that section of Scripture, it's, it's uh, preceded by Scripture, followed by Scripture, it's in a context. And in this case, in 1 Corinthians, it's all about spiritual gifts. Now, when you read chapter 12, you're going to see the origins and how these gifts interrelate with one another. Uh, when it's talking about uh, where they come from, from the Spirit of God, obviously, but how they relate to one another, how one's not greater than the other. And we don't have time to read that. In fact, if you join with me on Wednesday night and Wednesday night worship, we're going to spend this Wednesday and next Wednesday really kind of digging into some of those gifts. We've seen that in the book of Ephesians, and we'll see those other passages as well in 1 Corinthians and in Romans. But, but, but make no mistake, the origin is from God, and God imparts to every believer, every child of God, a gift. And God intends for that gift to be used. We, I mentioned that Wednesday night a little bit. God intends for us to exercise that gift that God's given us. But our gifts are interrelated. In other words, they, they, they connect with each other. In other words, uh, we're supposed to use these in the body of Christ. Every, I know this sounds so preachy, every member matters. I shared that with some of y'all even this week that I visited in your home. 
If God calls you here, there's a reason and a purpose. Everybody here that is called of God, a born-again child of God, has a purpose in, in, in why God's brought you here. And, and I would say that God's gifted you and called you for His purposes. Uh, but, but we see in chapter 12 the origins and how they relate to one another. In 14, it talks about the exercising these gifts and how they should be properly exercised in the body of Christ. And sandwiched in between these two chapters is what we call the love chapter, chapter 13, which deals with the attitude and the atmosphere of exercising these gifts. In other words, the only proper way to exercise the gift of God is through the motivation and the attitude of love. In fact, Paul says in, in, in the preceding of this chapter 13, he says, and now I'm going to show you the most excellent way. I almost titled the, the sermon series the, 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 the Most Excellent Way. Because it really is. And, and he's saying, here, here's the supreme way. In other words, he's going to show us and declare to us why it's so important for us to demonstrate God's love through this giftedness as the body of Christ. Oh, John MacArthur said, you know, the Bible's simplest uh, description of God and therefore God's own description of himself is this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. God is love. Love is the most blessed manifestation of the character of God. In fact, John continues in verse 16 and says, The one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. It's not just the characterization of God, but it's God himself in us. In other words, he has commanded us to love one another. And why? Because God himself has deposited himself literally in us by the Spirit of God. Therefore, what? The simplest and most pr profound description of Christian character is love. Love. Now, what's unfortunate, I mean, when you read the book of uh, Corinthians here to the church in Corinth, and, and unfortunately, even churches today, it's tragic. Why? Why? Love, yes, is the basic to Christian character, but oftentimes it does not characterize those that are members of the body of Christ. And we see this. Uh, listen, we see this in Corinth. What, what do we mean? Love was missing in Corinth. Spiritual gifts were present. Right doctrine, for the most part, was present, but love was absent. Unfortunately, throughout history, the church oftentimes has failed and found it very difficult to be loving. In fact, it's been easier to be orthodox, to believe correctly, or maybe easier even to be active in the church and to work and to serve and to do wonderful things in His name, and yet do it without loving one another. It doesn't diminish the mandate of God in His Word where He said we ought to love one another and yet in the exercising of these gifts for the body of Christ, we can break it down even here at Flint Hill, the most supreme characteristic that God wants of us is to manifest His love to one another and to those all around us. Why? Now, I don't want to get to the end of the message too quick, but one of my most favorite verses in the Bible. Billy Graham said, if you know this verse, you know enough. I think I, I, think I asked if anybody knew this. Uh, and I think Fisher jumped up on that Sunday. And said, I know it. And he quoted it. I'm not going to ask him to quote it again. Y'all know it. It's John 3.16. Why? Is, what's love got to do with it? got everything to do with it. For God so loved me and you. That's right. Every person in here today, God so loved me and you. Good night. That'll blow your mind. I'll be honest with you. It blew my mind as a 19-year-old. blows my mind today that God would love somebody like me. But not only that, but God has deposited His love in us. 
Why? So that we can be a channel of blessing to others, a conduit. God never meant us to be a reservoir, but a conduit so the Spirit of God can love in and through us to those around us. You know, the health of the church is not on how much it does for the Lord, but how much it loves for the Lord. So we talk about the most excellent way. The most excellent way. Love, the agape, is up there on the screen. Y'all know this word, the word agape. That's the word here for love. It's the, love, it's the sacrificial love that's, that we see in the Scripture. When it says, God so loved the world, it's the agape love. Now what's interesting, agape love is one of the rarest words in ancient Greek literature. But it's one of the most common in the New Testament. What we call the Greek New Testament. In other words, in the first century, it was rare in, in common literature, Greek literature out there for this word agape, but it's all throughout the New Testament. Why? Because God so loved the world. And that love, loving Him and loving one another, just is a theme throughout the New Testament. Now, unlike our English word love, I mean, we use the word love for all kinds of things. You can love ice cream. You can love in Big Macs or whatever it is. You can love all kinds of stuff. But this word agape, this word love, uh, the agape love in the New Testament does not mean romantic love. That, that would have been a word in the Greek called eros. It doesn't uh, even mean uh, a, a mere sentiment or a pleasant feeling about something, right? We use that word today about all kinds of, I love this, I love that. It's kind of wishy-washy, goes to and fro, uh, depending on the season, it doesn't even mean close friendship. That word would have been a phileo. That would have been another Greek word altogether. Nor does it mean charity in a sense of helping others. Associated with giving to the needs of others. But this word agape is a self-giving, sacrificial love that demands, and it does. God's love demands from us today. It's not passive. It is active. And when that love is demonstrated, it requires a response because the God of the universe has declared, I love you. You can't sit back and just say, well, okay. No, no, no. It demands a response because he demands a response from us. This love is sacrificial. It is the love. And, and let me say this. It's so unnatural for us as humans to love this kind of way. In fact, we can't without God's love being made manifest in our hearts. We'll get it all messed up. But God's love make no, is the most excellent way. So let me just challenge you and encourage you as the body of Christ. God wants His love to be made manifest in us. It is the most excellent way. In other words, it ought to characterize our lives as a Christian, as a body of Christ. We ought to be a loving church that genuinely, sincerely loves one another. This is something not just in word, but in deed. I mean, this is something you don't just say, yeah, I love you. No, it's demonstrated. It's the same way God demonstrated His love for us. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us on that cross. He demonstrated. How much does He love you? All, you? all you have to do is look to Jesus and what He did for us on the cross, and you see how much God loves me and you. So when we talk about agape love, it's a visual love. It's a graphic love. It's a real love. It's a sacrificial love. And it is, as Paul said, the most excellent way. All right, so I want to share with you um, if you're making notes, five keys to living a life of love. Now, first and foremost, let me just say this. You need to be a child of God. I mean, I, you know, some of y'all know my story, but when I was, I mean, I lived in the ways of the world up until 19 years old, and I didn't know anything. I thought I knew what love was, but I had no clue until I came, 
came to know Jesus Christ personally as my Lord and Savior. So please hear me. Uh, the most frustrated person here today would be someone that wanted to live a life of love but didn't know Christ personally as their Lord and Savior. Are y'all with me on that? I mean, I don't want you to be that person. You need to come to faith in Christ. Let God, God pour out His love in your hearts. Um, and then now the mandate, the Scripture does declare to us to live a life of love. That's Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Be imitators of God. That's a high calling. And it is. And God expects that of me and you. I'm not going to lower that down, some standard. I'm going to tell you as a child of God, as your pastor, God expects me and you to live according to His Word and to demonstrate His love to a world around us. First and foremost. And it's a high calling. And not just anybody can do it. First and foremost, you need to be a child of God. But I'm going to give you five keys here. Warren Wiersbe helps us this morning. And I'm grateful for men like him. First and foremost is this. Love is commanded. So if you're making notes, how do I, in other words, how do I live this life of love? Now, first of all, we need to acknowledge that God's love is commanded. And I know you're saying to me, Jay, okay, I hear this. God so loved the world. But, but make no mistake about it. John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're truly my disciples, my followers, if you love one another. First and foremost, we need to acknowledge God's love is a command. I mean, it's not a suggestion. It is a command from God Himself to love. Alan Taylor made this statement. He said, God's not looking for talent, charisma, personality, or skill. He's looking for obedience. Here's a great truth. Obeying God is the most spiritual thing that me and you could do in our lives. I want you to hear me. In other words, obeying God purely, simply, at His Word is the most spiritual thing any one of us can do. But it's not the easiest thing to do, is it? Loving others the way Christ loves us I mean, is not the easiest thing. To, if it's easy, anybody can do it. In fact, He knows it's not easy because God Himself, the Holy Spirit, enables us to love that kind of way. The hymn writer, O John Samus, had it right. You remember this song? Y'all probably don't remember this. He said, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy. He uses that word happy in Jesus. Miss Judy, you got that. There you go. But to trust and obey. Now, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, I mean you know, listen, if you've grown up in church long enough, sometimes people think, no, it's about, it's about doing these things and you get this sense of routine and, and, uh, and, and, and a sense of duty and obligation. And we kind of go through the motions. Friend, God never intended us to go through the motions. To trust Him and to obey His Word brings delight in the heart of the child of God. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's like sweeter than honey. I mean, it'll satisfy your soul like nothing else in this world. In fact, I can go ahead and tell you. You can run after the world all you want. The world will leave you fleeting. It just will. But what's satisfying is God's precious gift of Himself. The love of Jesus. It is so amazing. But make no mistake, God, God's love. In other words, for me to live this life of love, I need to come to the realization God has commanded me to love. Pure and simple. So if I'm not loving, I'm disobedient unto the Lord. Now, that might be a hard pill to swallow. I get it. I didn't say it was easy. In fact, it may be one of the hardest things we ever do is demonstrate the love of Christ to those around us. I, I'm just being honest. That can be very difficult, very challenging. Hopefully not here in the house of the Lord. I wasn't necessarily thinking of that. I'm just thinking in the world in which we live. It can be very difficult. But make no mistake, God's called us to that. The second thing is this. 
If you're making note, God's love is already possessed by Christians. Romans 5, 5. We looked at this scripture. God has poured out, poured out his love into our hearts. In other words, if you had to do it on your own, you'd be the most frustrated person here today. But thanks be to God, God saw fit. He said, yes, I'm going to command you to love one another. I'm going to uh, command you to, to do this, but I'm going to give to you all the resources you'll ever need to love and to demonstrate this kind of love to those around you. Thanks be to God. It's already possessed by children of God. You don't have to ask God for more love. He has deposited in our hearts this love, this sacrificial agape love. Now, the other thing, number three is this. Loving others, this love is the norm of Christian living. In other words, this is what God expects. In fact, I, let me just share this with you. If you're making notes out of 1 John, let me get over here, chapter 4. In fact, this is a song. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I mean, it's a song. It comes to my mind every time I read this scripture. Um, anyway, chapter 4, verse 7. Listen to this. Dear friends or beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how he showed his love among us. How did he do it? Help us to understand. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our friends. So dear friends, beloved, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It is just the normal Christian life. In other words, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means to love one another. It means to demonstrate that love to my friends, my family, my co-workers, to whoever it is, to strangers, wherever I go. This ought to characterize my life. Number four, if you're taking notes, love is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 5. Y'all know this. Galatians chapter 5, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Let me get it. That's Ephesians. That's not Ephesians 5. There we go. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love. The evidence of the Spirit of God and the child of God is love being poured out, not only poured out in them, but through them for the glory of God. Love is at work in us by the Spirit of God. Number five is this, love must be practiced to be genuine. You know the good news today, and I mean this sincerely, as a child of God, God gives us every single day to practice loving others Maybe I, mean, I don't mean this in a vain way, loving yourself as Christ loves you. And I mean that sincerely, your self-worth. I mean, if you've been with me on Wednesday night in Ephesians, there's nobody quite like you. I hope you understand that. There's only one of you in this world. Nobody's like you. Never has been, never will be. We talk about that little fingerprint. They tell me there's no other one like it. I mean that sincerely. I, I, I don't mean to fluff you up. I mean the real deal. There's only one of you in the world ever has been, ever will be. You're that beautiful. You're that unique. I hope you're hearing me this morning. You're that valuable. Period. You're that valuable. You're that precious. I don't know if you use those words about yourself, but you need to love yourself as Christ loves you. You need to understand who you are in Christ so that you can stand firm in this thing called life that we live. But make no mistake, the good news is, the good news is that God has given us a life to live, and as we live this life, we can practice and work out this love that we have for one another. It would be one thing to live a life where there was no opportunity to, to love others. But, friend, we have it today. In fact, let me say it this way. There's a world around this starving to be loved by somebody. 
And let me just say, they're starving for love. You can see it all around the world. But listen, the love of this world is fleeting and passing and never fulfilling. But only in Christ alone can the child of God share with somebody his love. The good news is we have opportunity on this side of heaven to practice out this loving others. To be genuine. In fact, it's in the, it's in the practice field. It's in the game of life that this begins to get sharpened and honed inside of us. Friend, let me remind you, it's only in the difficult moments of life and in this love that we have for one another and God gets tested and proven and tried. It's a beautiful thing when God begins to convict the heart of God, the, the child of God, that God grows in us the capacity to love others as Christ loved them. I mean, that's a beautiful thing, right? Only in this life that we have that opportunity. I don't know, you may not think it's beautiful. I mean, you may think it's difficult and, 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 and challenging, Yes. But make no mistake, God, in, God wants to work in us. That's Ephesians chapter 2. That's that theme verse for VBS. The poema, the workmanship, this work that God's doing in us is to cultivate and develop this incredible love that surpasses knowledge that He's deposited in our hearts and our life. I mean, that's when we begin to present Christ to the world around us. Anyway, all right, so let me, let me, let me tell you, how do, we, how do we, we talk about practicing this? There's several things here. We are therefore told, and I'm going I'm to run through this list. I know it's going to be put before you, not trying to rush through this. But in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says we are called to pursue love. Colossians 3, 14, it says to put on love. In uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, 12, it says to increase and abound in love. 2 Corinthians 8, to be sincere in love. Philippians 2 says to be unified in love. In 1 Peter 4.8, it says to be fervent in love. And in Hebrews 10, it says to stimulate or to spur one another on to love. I mean, it is that important over and over and over again. We're told we need to practice this loving God and loving one another. In fact, let me get back to my text here in 1 Corinthians 13. Because it leads me to kind of my last thing I want to deal with this morning. And it's this, the necessity of love. Look, look here again in verse chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. The scripture says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames even... But have not love, I gain nothing. The necessity of love is, is illustrated so clearly here in Corinth. Paul's saying, look, y'all have all these wonderful things, the gifts of God, this, this wonderful word from the Lord, but you're messing this up horribly. In fact, this isn't a word of encouragement, it's a word of chastisement. He's saying, look, y'all are pursuing all these things for the wrong reasons. And he said, you know, what, you know what happens when God's people go after the giftings of God without a heart for God? Things get messy. It's horrible. Read the Bible. Read Corinth. People fighting with each other, quarreling. One says, oh, no, my gift's more important than you. Paul said, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you talking about? The hand isn't more important than the foot? I know most of us cover them feet. Some of you like your toes or you don't. I don't know. We don't think much of it. Now, I'm being honest with you. We don't think much about our toes. Or maybe some of you do. I don't know. Y'all probably get them pedicures and whatever else you get. You clean them up and make them look nice. But I will tell you, I mean, I'm going to tell you straight up. You don't have that big toe down there. 
You're going to find it hard to walk well, much less run. Imagine if your toes were gone. I mean, I mean, you understand that foot. Take that whole foot. I mean, it's just one of these things where we don't think about this. But Paul said, wait a minute, guys. When you're pursuing the wrong things and the wrong motives, everything gets out of whack. And he said, mm, every piece of the body is critical to what God wants to accomplish here. And I'm, and I'm talking about Flint Hill, but I'm talking about the body of Christ in the world. Every child of God is important. And yet here in, this, in, in court, things got all messed up. All out of whack. People all acting all spiritual up in themselves, but they didn't have no more love for one another and love for God. In fact, their arrogance and their pride got before them. And all kind of craziness happens there. So as a word of chastisement to us, I mean, listen, love is the most excellent way by sure. But friend, listen to me. There's a lot of horrible things that have happened in this world by God's people claiming to love the Lord, but they act like they never met Him at all. It's horrible. It ought to move on our hearts to humble ourselves before God and say, God, would you just sift my heart? See if there's any offensive way in me. Because, Lord, I don't want to say something or do something that hinders what you want to do in and through my life, this fellowship, your church, and in the world today. Listen, people need to see Jesus Christ. Period. God has called us as a church, as a body. Let me just break down to Flint Hill. Every single person here today, God's called us to present Christ to the world. How do we do that? When God's love is made manifest in our hearts and goes through us to others. It is a pure, beautiful thing. I'm going to share with you three things real quickly here. Why is love so important? Why, what's love got? The necessity, the first of this is, is this. Love is enriching. In other words, instead of it being uh, uh, something that tears apart all these gifts, God, when God infuses the heart of a child with His love that surpasses knowledge, and all of a sudden we've been to operate in that way, it's enriching. It brings value to those around us. Second is this. Love is edifying. In other words, it builds up the body of Christ. And then last... I, I don't know if it's more, the most important, but for me, for me, this is just incredible. God's love made manifest in our hearts enables us to share and show Jesus to others. Listen, you don't have to be an evangelist to lead somebody to Jesus. You just need to love Jesus with all your heart and you'll lead people to Jesus. What have I heard? I said, you know, let your love for the Lord shine through, and if necessary, use words. You know what I'm saying? You know, in 1 John chapter 4, let, let, let me go back. How, how, how important is this? This is so critical for the body, for us today. Let me get back over here to 1 John real quick. I know. Hang on with me. I don't have one of those digital Bibles. There you go. Chapter 4, verse 12. I just read a section earlier, but listen to this in verse 12. John says this. He says, no one's ever seen God. In that sense. But hold on, look at this. But if we love, but if we love one another, and I don't mean any kind of, I mean the agape love, I mean the God depositing love when you come to faith in Christ. When we have that love for one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us, the body of Christ. Presenting 
Christ to one another and to the world is by loving God with all our heart. Now, I, I, will, I do want to invite, where, I don't know where Gavin went to. There he is back there. Come on. In just a moment, we're going, to, we're going to begin to sing a song here in just a moment. And we're going to have a response in just a moment. The necessity of love. What, what does love have to do with it? It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. And so right now, right now, here's what I want us to do. Um, Before we begin to sing, I just really want us to take a moment, draw a little circle around ourselves, and I, and I want us to do this real simply this morning. Because I mean, I, I believe the scripture is clear. It's clear. God intends for me and you to love Him, agape, with all our heart. Why? Because He loves agape us with all His heart. And it's in that relationship that God grows us and develops and secures us in His love that surpasses knowledge. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. As a child of God, please hear me. Sometimes the things we've had to walk through and go through in life can hurt and wound and it hinders our ability to love the Lord. In fact, quite the opposite. The heart, our heart, I'm talking about our heart. Instead of it becoming really able, it becomes a little hardened. I wish I could tell every one of us here, you're never going to have struggles in this side of heaven. But the truth is, Jesus said you would. Here's what I do know. That God is able. And I want to ask you this morning. God is able, if you're willing, to take this heart of yours and say, Lord, and just be honest. Say, Lord, I'm, my heart's wounded, injured, hurt, hardened a little bit. Would you be so willing to just be honest with God and say, God, would you take my heart and heal my heart today? God is able to heal the brokenhearted, the wounded heart, or the hurting heart today. Father, we just want to come before you and as well as I know how, God, I, I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, to search our hearts today. The truth is, Father, that we may need a healing touch from the Lord right now before we can even honor you in loving you with all our heart. God, love has everything to do with this thing called a relationship with Christ. God, I just ask you right now, Lord, take our hearts, young and old. I, God, take our hearts and heal them and fill them 
with your love that surpasses knowledge. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me, church. We're going to sing a song of response. Open up your hearts unto the Lord this morning.